Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. So what does strategy look like? I mean, like physically look like. If you were going to map out your business goals or your internal communication flow or your buying process, what might that look like? I guess a better question is, might taking that strategy and developing a graphic representation of the step-by-step process help your people or your customers better navigate the complexities of your business model and aspirations? Might it help it click better? Today on the podcast, we're talking about bringing your strategic development process to life visually. Our guest is Eric Wood, CEO of Explain, that's Explain with an X. It's a fascinating look at how we learn and comprehend and the revolutionary ways creativity meets technology to bolster comprehension. This is going to be a good one. It's David Averin on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast, and here's David Averin. Thank you again, and welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. I am David Averin. Um, we got a great show today because I want to talk about how do we explain complex processes. You know, throughout history, we have, we've told story, right? We, we've done it through allegory. We've done it through example. Uh, it's the, the fables, right? With a life lesson at the end of that. Uh, and even the books, even books like Who Moved My Cheese and things like that. It's, it's a way of thinking about it in a way to make something complex a little more simple, a little more relatable. Um, the, the, the mice are us and the cheese is that unattainable success or whatever that is. And it, and it creates... Um, analogies for all of us. And so we see that through the growth of technology and ways as we market and explain. We saw a big heyday for the whiteboard videos for a while, which of course was an, an expansion on us working in our boardrooms on the whiteboard. Just other people were better artists in making that happen. You know, one of the pioneers in this space is Eric Wood. Eric Wood is the CEO of Explain, and it's X-P-L-A-N-E. It's a global design consultancy, excuse me, that helps large organizations clarify, communicate, and achieve their vision. Uh, Eric and I have have sort of been around each other's universes for about uh, about 10 years or so, and I've just been a fan. I've been a fan from afar because I work with organizations. And as the world becomes more complex, and it's becoming far more complex, even as we are working to, as business owners and entrepreneurs, to simplify the buying process, the complexity behind the scenes to simplify that is getting more um, complicated. And not everybody gets it. Eric is very good. Eric and his team at Explain. He's got an MBA from Harvard, uh, former management consultant. I'll let you explain more of that. But Eric, thanks and welcome to the show. Thanks, David. I'm delighted to be here. Good. Well, take us back a little bit. 
Take yeah. us back. I've sort of given my examples of sort of recognizing how we we work as consultants, as speakers, as those who try and help businesses do what they do better. Um, oftentimes, that the delta, the challenge, is people understanding what it is they're trying to do. Tell me about the origins of your business. Um, what is it that that what was the need that you recognize, and what was your unique methodology and solution to help them solve that? Well, you know, it goes back to um, both my origins, and my partner Dave Gray's origins, um, which were on a parallel path. Dave um, started off as a um, a journalist. Uh, he was a communicator and worked for a number of the Hearst newspapers, but he was also a designer and he was a pioneer in information graphics. And one of the things he recognized was that, you know, we were all accustomed to the information graphics on the weather page uh, in terms of communicating information very quickly. But what if we were to take the business page and transform that by using information graphics to help explain something? Um, in, in, a, in a meaningful way, in a way that people can understand it very quickly because we're all very visual learners. At the same time, as you mentioned, I was a management consultant and I was doing large strategy uh, projects um, and very frustrated because the reality was that you end up delivering this 150 page PowerPoint deck with all these complex ideas and it ends up being shelfware. You know, people don't understand it. They don't understand the strategy and a lot of strategies failed. And so um, when we first met um, back in the late 90s, um, Dave was utilizing this technology, if you will, visual communication, to help explain really complex business processes and help people to get there more quickly. And the firm was really born out of that. It was born out of an idea of how do we help organizations to really accelerate the change that they want? How do we help them to move the people in their organization forward and understand information very quickly? and more concretely so that they can accelerate change in that organization, whether it's launching a new strategy or, you know, changing a customer experience. Right. But, but it's grown, but it grew from, I mean, we always had pie charts, right. And graphs that sort of visual, you can see progress. Here's where we were last year. Here's where we were next year. But what I love about, um, and I think when I reached out to you probably 10 years ago was that you not only do the, the graphics and the process where you, it's something and then an arrow takes it to this an arrow takes it to this, you told stories. Mm -hmm. And so even the characters in that process were, were connected to the industry that they were, that you were working to, to simplify or to clarify. So if something was a warehouse, it was an, or it was a figure of somebody moving a box from something. And that was sort of the origins of the industry. Tell me about those times and what, what was your learning as you develop that and how has it grown? Where are we today? Because, because that really was the infancy, though still effective in many ways, but we've grown from there as well. We have, and I think it really boils down to the nature of the organization. Um, if you think historically about how corporations grew and how corporate structures grew, they were largely built on this concept that I think is very outdated now of being um, hierarchical, tops-down command and control structures. And that it really comes from kind of the origins of the organization in military history. You know, those were the first large scale collaborative endeavors, if you want to call it that, um, from which we learned to build organizations. But what has really shifted in the world is since the 70s and the technological revolution, and now this age of purpose that we're in, we are hiring employees in our organizations that we want to be empowered. We want them to be creative. We want them to be innovative. We want them to be entrepreneurial. Um, and that type of organization doesn't look like that command and control structure that we used to have. It looks like a much more like an organism. 
Um, it is much more fluid. It's much more empowered and people can make their own decisions. And so people is the key word and the answer to your question, which is what's really shifted is that we used to have this notion that we could just tell organizations what to do and they would snap to it and go right from strategy to execution. And what we now understand is that we really need to appeal to the hearts and mind of individuals in a different way than we used to. We need to help people understand kind of their role in these bigger changes where they fit in a process, for example, to use your example, uh, and kind of what is, you know, what is in it for me to make changes. And so what it's done is it's really transferred the language of business to be much more human centered. Um, you use the example of the process map. And one of the things that we did right away was stop showing processes as diamonds and squares and arrows, but rather who's the human in this process and what are they doing? and Who do they connect to next? And what are those intersections? Because that shows a really, that shows truth. That shows what we see and it. It helps humanize the process. And if we can put the human at the center of the work, um, the communication is gonna be much stronger and much more effective. Isn't, isn't the core of this though, comprehension so that they can take action? Um, because I, because from a, a strategic perspective, we, we've done strategic planning for a long time, but we also both know that a lot of those strategic plans end up on a shelf. Yeah. or it's a false start, or it's a, it's a, it's a challenge with execution on the strategy. What's the, uh, what's, what's the gap? What's the missing piece on that? Is it comprehension? Is it leadership and buy-in? Is it a flawed strategy? Mm -hmm. um, from your perspective and the work that you do in consulting with organizations to create the strategy, and then of course, articulate that, where are the breakdowns happening? Well, I think, you know, as you pointed out, leaders very much struggle to effectively articulate strategy. And it's because they've actually really missed an important step. They're talking about strategy, but in fact, they should actually be leading with vision. And so, you know, if you think about a strategy, what is a strategy? A strategy is a plan to get from point A to point B. It's a plan to get from the spot we're in today to where we want to go in the future and paint a very clear of that, a picture of that, that vision, if you will. And I think what leaders fail to do oftentimes uh, in the execution of strategy is start with vision, start to make clear and visualize, literally visualize, which is a lot of what we do. What is our destination? Where do we want to go? What is our case for change? Why is it that we need, why should we change? What, what is it about the path we're on right now that isn't good? Right. And why is that place we're going to, going to be better? So visualization and storytelling really come in very powerfully as ways to start to help people contextualize strategy by understanding that this is a plan to get to a new place and seeing that place. And then through storytelling, through visualization and, and other methods, if we can start to appeal to those people to understand and see why we're doing this, they can start to make the conscious shift in their mind of wanting to engage in taking this journey uh, along with the organization. Right, because so, it's, really, it's really both components, isn't it? It's, it's an understanding of where we're going and why we're getting there. So at least we can get buy-in on the part of our team, but it's also to articulate their particular role in making that happen, isn't it? Well, that's because a lot of organizations are very good. Here's the lofty goal. We're going to we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the, you know, by the end of the the, the, the decade or, or I know I was going to screw up Kennedy's thing, but but there was a specific goal. We're going to here's what we're going to do. Here's when we're going to do it by. But what it didn't do is say, here's what everybody's role in making that happen. The work that you do helps to articulate that and 
and avoid some of the confusion or the ambiguity around broad strategy, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you you raise an interesting analogy, and I know the one that you're speaking of. And this is, you know, when when President Kennedy first visited the NASA headquarters in Houston in the early '60s, he walked up to a um, uh, custodian in the building and said, "Well, what is it that you do here?" And the person responded very quickly, "Mr. President, I'm here to put a man on the moon." And that is a perfect example of what you're talking about in that yeah. in that, um, that line of sight is so important. Um, organizations, particularly large organizations, people can get lost in terms of what is their role in it, what is their meaning in it, right? And we're seeking meaning and purpose in our work. If, if we can help organizations more effectively paint that picture of the vision, but then to your point, place each individual in terms of what's your contribution to it. It may not be actually getting all the way to the moon yourself. But maybe this part of the journey, you and your team are responsible for, and you're so critical to this bigger journey to get us all to our destination. And this is why it should be important for you. And this is hopefully the part that you can draw meaning from. So if we can start to use that human-centered approach again to, to help tell stories, help anchor people in the bigger vision, and then have them see line of sight of how they connect to it, um, it creates much greater momentum for change. And what does this do to contribute to culture, to creating a some measure of unanimity and consensus around culture? Um, people, I think, always struggle to articulate it verbally. And of course, I'm a verbal communicator, so I'm, I'm all about that. But even in my role as, as a speaker or trainer or consultant, there's visuals that help make those concepts more concrete. So talk to me from a cultural perspective. Uh, for those who are who are clear on their culture, how do they clarify it and indoctrinate and and support that through the work that you do as well? Culture projects are very interesting in the in the sense that um, culture is uh, culture is kind of like a brand. Um, you know, if we I like to say about brands that your brand isn't what you're you know what you're projecting. Your brand is what someone says you are. So culture and brand are very similar in that um, there's an authenticity that has to be there. Um, you may try to lead the culture in a direction, but it's gonna eventually be the culture that people adopt. So I think um, one of the things that we've seen in, in, in culture work with our clients is that um, it needs to be first very much rooted in authenticity. If you put those words on the wall <laughs> around your values and the culture that you aspire to, but yet you aren't actually aligning your actions with that, or you're not aligning your strategy with that, or your vision with that, it's not going to be effective. Right. People um, walk by and roll their eyes. You, you got bigger issues. Exactly. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be rooted in truth. It's got to be role modeled by, by leaders in the organization. And importantly, um, linking it back to vision and strategy, it has to be harmonious with the, uh, the actions you're taking in the business. And so if, you, if you're talking about your culture being a purpose-led culture, and yet your strategy is you know, very financially focused, um, that disconcordance is gonna resonate. So that's, that's one element of it. Um, from a visualization perspective with, with culture, however, um, there is incredible power in being able to um, share with people a picture of what the culture looks like, particularly the behaviors that are expected in the organization. And so building visual communications into um, your, your corporate communications or business communications that not only talk about, but show, um, this is what good looks like. These are what the, the expectations that we have look like. This is what that behavior might, might look like in an expression. 
can start to reinforce those ideas as well as give both leaders and individuals a map, if you will, to see what you know what is expected and um, and and support them in actually having clarity around what the kinds of behaviors and inter interactions um, are in this organization. Um, sometimes culture is going to guide some people to not be a part of that organization, but at the same time, that culture might also be the thing that attracts the right people. And I like to think that your culture is basically the you know the 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 next group of people that you hire and develop is the culture that you're going to have in the future. So sometimes lastly, painting a picture of that culture that you want will help you actually create that culture in the future. Well, help people um, self-exclude, or what, what did Gwyneth Paltrow say? They consciously uncouple. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's a good thing with our employees as well as we consciously come to mutual agreement that this isn't necessarily the best fit for them. So most people who, who listen to this listen on audio platforms. Uh, if you want to watch the uh, the video version, of course, it's on my website or on YouTube. Once again, talking to Eric Wood from Explain. If you want to learn more, actually, while we're while we're you're listening to this, go to their website at e, at xplane explain.com. You can see an example of it. But but Eric, give us a sense explain what those visuals look like. What, what are we talking about when, we, when you talk about sort of a visual representation of, of people or process or culture? Give me some examples of what that might look like. Well, in our, in our early days, we focused a lot on creating information graphics. Um, so you can imagine, for example, um, you know, when Dave first started the firm uh, back in the early 90s, at the beginning of the first dot-com boom, um, it, it would... Uh, it would be very challenging to explain a new business model that no one had seen before. But if you could actually create a one-page visual of this business model and how it worked, how it served customers, how it served the various stakeholders, and you could create a picture of that, that became a very powerful way to express an idea. Yeah, the so, traditional infographic that, that many of us have seen or hired people to develop for our businesses. Exactly. <laughs> so if the origin is that traditional information graphic, that core concept is that you know this, this is a visual unit of information that's easy to digest. Let's take that 100-page that PowerPoint of the strategy that we talked about and turn that into a one-page strategy map that I can easily stand in front of a room and have a meaningful conversation to give people a clear understanding of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and where we're going, that becomes a powerful way to start conversations, right? It isn't going to get the level of depth that's embedded in that 100-page PowerPoint, but that, that communication tool is going to visually transmit the most important high-level understanding that you need to have in order for people to then guide in and dive into the areas of information that they want to see. Right. And it's also a good takeaway, just as a reminder of what that session was. It's almost a recap, isn't it? Exactly. And so it becomes an artifact that basically becomes a, a tool that people can use to right. develop shared understanding and a, and a consistent way of storytelling. You know, here's the story about our vision. And you can actually equip people with a tool to be able to do that. Where this has grown over the last uh, now almost 30 years um, is that visual communication and visual thinking can be applied in all different areas to accelerate understanding. So whether it's in consultative engagements to redesign a customer experience, um, whether it's in working in shifting a culture in a particular direction, um, even if it's really the strategic planning process itself, visual thinking tools, whether they be information graphics, whether they be worksheets or mechanisms like the empathy map, which was created at Explain uh, and is used extensively in, uh, in user experience uh, work, um, 
those kinds of mechanisms can actually accelerate uh, not only understanding at, at the end as an artifact, but even in the process of doing the work, getting people clarity to accelerate towards better outcomes. Um, and I think we've seen visual thinking, um, we've, we've been doing it for forever in human history, but we're seeing that it's becoming a more powerful and more present tool in all aspects of how we work. Right. I mean, I think the earliest form is probably hieroglyphics or, or things on, you know, cave paintings on the walls. But today, does that also include animation? Does it include video? I mean, we, we see, I'll give you a funny example. So my son and his friends were in the kitchen. They were, I think it was 15 or so at the time, and they were going to make chocolate chip cookies because they decided they were going to make chocolate chip cookies. And we go in there and of course, there's flour everywhere. They're having, you know, fights with, with, throwing chocolate chips at each other. And so they're like an hour into this. And my wife and I look over and there's like four of them and they're just sitting there on their phones. And I'm like, dude, are you going to make cookies? I mean, what's the point? He goes, dad, we're learning how to make cookies. And they're watching YouTube videos of how to make chocolate chip cookies. And my wife's, my wife's like, did you not know that the recipe is on the bag of, and he like hits his friend, like, see, I told you but we're learning differently, aren't we? And of course, COVID in many ways, we've accelerated what's long been prognosticated about how we're going to learn. Um, tell me all the elements, tell me what we've learned. Tell me about the, the, the rapid technological advances. Um, and then what's probably, what's overhyped? Hmm. Well, you know, I think I may answer your question differently because I, I think- what, Yeah, answer your I want to go back to your YouTube example of, of, uh, of learning how to cook, right? Um, I think what's really interesting is there's now this convergence of the fact that, that I believe humans default to being visual learners, and we can talk about why that is. There's lots of reasons. And we're at a unique time in, te in, in technological advancement where the, the, uh, the tools of creativity have been so democratized, right? We, you know, that, that same YouTube video um, that, that was being used to actually visually transfer the knowledge of how to cook a thing, um, that same phone has maybe 12 other apps on it that allow people to express their creativity and, and visualize information really quickly. My kids are, I'll watch them pull that phone out to draw a SketchUp model to create a vision for a structure that they're going to submit as a project in a class and never used to be able to do that. So right. we have these tools at our disposal now um, across the board universally that unhinge us, disconnect us from the need to actually hire experts to create, to create visualizations and to communicate. And so I think this is kind of a revolutionary thing that's happening. And so, you know, the, the media um, are, you know, animations, their videos, their all these other tools. What's changed is the fact that the creators are more broad. There are more creators, the more people are empowered to do it. And it is accelerating the pace and the range of possible ways that we can communicate visually. Well, let me ask you this. Did this necessitate for you and your team an evolution as well in terms of what you offer? I would assume the early days, as many of us in the early days are more tactical, the client says, I need to do this and we help them do it. Were they presenting you with process that they wanted you to create a visual for? And I would assume today you're more farther upstream in helping them to develop the actual strategy. People can't necessarily do that themselves. I can edit in iMovie and create videos, right? But from a strategic standpoint, the things that I don't do, um, it is better to bring someone else to do it. So tell me about the early days. Am I, am I correct in assuming it was more tactical and today it's more strategic? 
Yeah, and I think we're, where we're going is, is yet one more step. So we talk about this in sort of three ages. Um, you're right, the first age of explain, to use us just as a proxy for what's happening in the world, was people coming to us and saying, okay, you're the experts at visualizing this, here's my information, can you help me turn this into a visual communication? And so we were um, largely in the business in the, the 90s and early 2000s of creating visualizations of complex information so that people could easily understand it. And we were engaged as the architects of those visuals. What then started to happen was that we, we found that um, the, the next opportunity as the creation of information graphics became more uh, democratized and therefore commoditized to some degree was that applying visual thinking to actually move upstream and help people in the thinking process. How do we start to use visual thinking and visual tools to actually start creating that new value proposition? to start designing that new customer experience, to start developing that new strategy. And visualization in the process of doing the work um, alongside with techniques from human-centered design and from design thinking and other methodologies actually really started to transform business. And so we, this is why we see design thinking is now really core to business, whereas 15 years ago, that was a phrase that wasn't that common. I think where the third age is going from this, is we, if we look to the future, is this uh, kind of leveraging on our last conversation around the dem democratization of tools. More and more people are learning how to do this for themselves. More and more times we're now going into a consulting engagement and our clients are already showing up and saying, I've got a journey map that's already done of our customer experience. I've got an empathy map of all of our core customers and what they're feeling and what they're thinking and how we might appeal to them they're starting to actually take these tools and do them, them themselves. So where, where kind of our work is going to continue to evolve is to move towards actually empowering individual change makers rather than focusing exclusively on working with large organizations to sort of be the expert to do this work. We'll continue to support that sort of work while at the same time focusing on this wonderful thing that's happening of individuals learning these skills, learning these tools and applying them to make change in their own worlds and supporting those folks with tools, with training, with knowledge to actually really be able to scale that in the world. And so how do you do that in a way that doesn't put yourself out of business, right? I mean, I, I, on the very basic level, there's a lot of things that we can do that we don't, we don't need the travel agent to book our flights. Uh, you know, we, there, there's so many things I don't need anybody to, to edit or create basic video. We can do all those things as well. How do you continue to monetize your model or evolve your model in one that's not just relevant and of service, but is profitable for your team? I just find that fascinating. Well, I think a lot of it is actually just uh, really understanding what business we're in. Uh, and we're, we are in the business of accelerating positive change. Uh, that is explains purpose. That is what we've described. Um, what we've recognized is that we have a, a unique technology to do that, which is visual thinking. Um, but that technology can be applied in so many different ways in so many different places. And so what we've had to do in our own business is unhinge our, ourselves from the idea that, you know, we're a company that makes information graphics or we're a company that uses visual thinking to accelerate consulting engagements. And we're starting to think about ourselves as an organization that is in support of helping change makers to accelerate positive change. By doing that, it really frees us up. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that humans, anything humans can imagine, they're eventually going to create tomorrow. And so we want to be always in the place of finding what are the ways that we can support humans in envisioning that future state and then creating it. 
And we can find ways to bring our technology to those opportunities in a myriad of ways if we use that much wider lens. So tell me, how does this translate to the customers and the customer experience beyond helping the organization envision it and craft it and communicate it? Put on the consumer hat. Not necessarily that, that there's a B2C application for this, but what is the C perception of this? How does this help them? And do you have a specific strategy or is it wrapped up in the, uh, in the internal organizational strategy? Well, so our specific strategy is this. We made a decision two years ago or three years ago now to, um, to redefine our business from being a consulting firm, a design consultancy, to say, you know what? We want to be in the business of actually accelerating the adoption of these tools in the world. And we're gonna do that by providing not only consulting services to large organizations, but to create the tools and the learning for individuals to be able to also do this work. So we've launched a, a business called Studio X within, within Explain. Studio X is focused on um, sharing tools, uh, the empathy map being an example of a tool. It's a, it's a very simple worksheet with very complex thinking behind it that actually helps accelerate people's uh, empathy and understanding of customers, consumers, other stakeholders. Thinking of tools like the empathy map or visual tools like discovery cards, things that can be productized and putting those in the world to actually help both individuals and organizations do their work more effectively. On the other side, we're also creating learning and training. So we're taking what we're learning in our engagements with clients, what's working, what's new, what are the new challenges that are happening, turning that into thought leadership, and then turning that into learning opportunities to share that back out. And by doing those three things together, what we're hoping to do is sort of create a kind of a powerful flywheel where we're working with our customers on their most challenging problems. And we're identifying those next new and emergent needs. We're co-creating with them new tools, new ways of working, new techniques. And then we're turning those into tools and learning that we can then share back out. And by doing that, what we're finding is that not only are we actually addressing a completely new market, individual learners, um, but a lot of those individual learners are also still embedded in organizations who then find value from this work and then might in fact be engaging us right. again. It's a, it's a great in, but is, is the other strategy behind this just opportunities to scale? Uh, I mean, every, every time you work with a new client, it's very custom, it's very labor intensive, but you can be with that one at a time or however big your team is. Are you productizing some of the learnings working with, uh, with, with clients or co-creating that either taps into a market that wouldn't have been able to afford you otherwise, but is also more consistent revenue and an opportunity for you to scale as you create your own products and, and systems from what you've learned from them? I think the opportunity to scale is a wonderful outcome of this. And, and so I'll say this, you know, it, it, it's, um, from a purpose perspective, I think the reason we came to it originally was not to say, this is the right business decision, we should go there. It was really to say, hey, we work with some amazing companies and we do some amazing kind of tailored projects with interesting companies and this is, this is really wonderful, but can we really pursue our purpose at the smaller scale? Can we really accelerate positive change in the world working with 100 clients a year? Or what if we were able to actually address a significantly larger market empower people and change makers with more tools and more techniques. And by doing that, actually scale our impact because it's through many, many more hands. 
What's been great, David, as a result, though, is that that positive purposeful intention has, in fact, led to a wonderful scaling opportunity of the business as well, because we now have a completely different addressable market, new opportunities for growth. Um, and I think it's a really good example of, of, you know, how sort of following your purpose in the business will, in fact, open your eyes to new opportunities. Put on the, uh, put on the future hat. Where is the industry going? Not your your model, because I, I assume you'll continue to be to be fluid and continue to go back to your core and say, how do we deliver this? But in terms of the tools that you have in many ways helped to develop or pioneer as they've continued to evolve from, as we said, sort of cave paintings to infographics to um, being more involved upstream in that strategic process, for those who might seek ways to visually represent what oftentimes is becoming increasingly complex, uh, what does it look like two years from now? What does it look like 10 years from now? Is it, is it all the, the VR glasses? Is it those infographics, but they change and move and evolve based on, on you know, constantly updating themselves based on new learning? What does that look like? For me, I geek out on this stuff. I just think it's so cool. I think, it, um, I think we're entering the kind of the age of the learner, individual learner, right? We've watched these trends with, um, you know, the, it's not a trend. The reality of the gig economy is ever present. We know that uh, in just a couple of years, uh, more than 50% of professional workers are going to be independent, independently employed. And so we're kind of in this age of the learner where some of those earlier things we were talking about, the democratization of these tools of creation um, are going to only be increasing. And so it'll come the time where we're able to actually just you know, speak to a device and describe what we want to want to see and have that visual communication come out, have that animation built, have that information graphic designed for us, have that building structure already in three dimensions in a, in a, uh, in a, in a simulation program. Um, we're going to have to become as individuals, people who are very adept at constantly learning new ways of working. And so I think there is this, um, this dual trend of people becoming more individuals and identifying who they are independent of a larger organization that may house them. Uh, in fact, being completely independent um, professionals and the ability to constantly learn and adopt new tools so that they can express themselves uh, visually and communicate uh, to accelerate what they want to do. That's, that's a really interesting future to me. Um, yeah. I'm talking, you know, I've got two high school kids who are uh, contemplating colleges. And I wonder in five years if, if the college concept is obsolete because you'll be able to actually put together the information and the learning that you want at your desktop, in your home, at any given moment, and two years from now completely transformed yet again. You know, it's interesting to me, and I just I had two high school seniors who just went through all of this as well. And, and there's a lot of conversations, the Gary Vaynerchuk videos or whatever else they're watching that is also affecting how they're doing it. But the other thing that I've seen in the marketplace, we've seen this certainly accelerated during COVID, is the rise of a whole new generation of entrepreneurs with alternative mechanisms. Now, of course, not all of them are going to land. Many will not be successful. We've seen our, our share of solutions looking for problems and no shortage of people prognosticating, here's what's, where it's going to go, here's where it's going to go. But we also have had 50 years of people telling us that soccer was going to be the number one sport in America, and that ain't going to happen either. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fascinating. I'd, I'd love to, to keep in touch and to touch base because I, as I said, I geek out on this um, and I'm that 
that visual learner from a presentation perspective as well, that uh, or, or teacher of many of these. And we look at the tools. For me, it's fascinating. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you and want to work with you or hire you or learn more about what you do, how do they do that? Well, thank you. Um, you've mentioned our website, www.explain.com, X-P-L-A-N-E, or reach out to me directly. I can be found on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Eric Wood with an A. Uh, and we would love to uh, love to exchange ideas. We 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 love to have the conversations with people because we're always learning as much as we're offering. So I look forward to hearing from people. I think we all get an MBA about every eighteen months or so. Uh, a big thanks to um, to Eric Wood from Explain. Uh, been a fan, been connected from afar. So it's great to have a conversation on that. Look him up. This podcast, sorry, this podcast is sponsored in part by the Morning Huddle Membership Initiative. You know, some of the most innovative solutions to your biggest customer-facing challenges are likely found within the creative minds of your own people, your own team. You hired them. They're brilliant. Engage with them. It's time to put conversation back on the calendar. You can learn more about my powerful internal engagement initiative called the Morning Huddle by visiting Morning Huddle Membership. Dot com. Look it up. There's videos, there's examples. Uh, I, I think it's really important that we, we get our people talking again. I think some of the best ideas are there. All of my books are available on Amazon, including my new book, of course, which is from my video series called The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Wake You Up and Shake You Up and Win More Business. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments, be sure to click the little bell icon, receive notifications and new episodes. And of course, you can learn more about my keynote speaking, my consulting. I'd love to work with you. Look me up at davidaverin.com. Big thanks again to Eric Wood from Explain. I'm David Averin, the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.